founder, we're on a mission to democratize entrepreneurial education and on the way to building one of the largest online schools in the world for entrepreneurs. We interview some of the greatest founders of our generation to find out how they did it so you can too. However, in this series, we're working with our students in the community who are deep within the process of building their own successful business. These are the founders of tomorrow who have stood where you are and on the way to building the business of their dreams. Now, before we jump in, our lawyers have told us to tell you this. Of course, we can't guarantee you'll have the results like some of the stories we're about to share. And as you know, with any business, it's a lot of hard work in addition to completing any online course. With that said, welcome to From Zero to Founder. Molly here. I'm Founders Community Manager and welcome back to the series From Zero to Founder. Today I'm sitting down with Mona Feng who is one of our seven-figure copywriting students to talk about her business Karma Trade. It's an amazing new innovative technology and I'm really excited to sit down and share her story with you. She's managed to double her business just by changing her copywriting so let's get straight into it. Hi Mona, welcome. Why not start by introducing yourself and telling me a little bit about what it is that you do. Sure. So my name is Mona and I'm the founder and CEO of Karma Trade. I'm currently a student as well, studying aerospace engineering at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, and that's where our business is located. Um, and what Karma Trade is, is that we are a circular fashion trading platform based off of a digital currency, allowing for people to trade fashion between themselves, as well as with local businesses called Outposts. Incredible. It's such a smart business move because I know myself going and moving so many different times. I've donated so many clothes in the past and I just think it's a great way to kind of modernize the donations and thrifting side of things. But before we jump into that, I'd love to know more about, you know, you you said you're a student and you're studying at the moment. How have you kind of started balancing the responsibilities between being a student and also being a CEO and a founder of a business? Yeah, excellent question. So, uh, I started my company when I was 17, um, but it wasn't very serious or wasn't really big. I didn't know that I could really go down the path of being a full-time entrepreneur because, um, you know, it's hard to really visualize what that means um, when you're such a young person. So um, look, I was always really passionate about physics and mathematics um, and engineering. So I found myself studying aerospace engineering because I love cosmology uh, and I'm passionate about space debris you know, I say that I'm passionate about trash on the planet um, and in space. (laughs) So yeah. Uh, And how to balance that both? It's a great question. I would, uh, you know, I started my company uh, when I was really young. I was working on all the way through the first few years of undergrad. Now I'm currently a junior Um, and now it's pretty much a half and half. So um, I've kind of got the academic side very well. like, you know, I know the system and how to work with it through the university. And then um, I dedicate most of my creative time into Karma Trade. Um, so it's a great balance between the two because I find that what I can't learn inside building my company, I can learn aerospace and if I was to um, pursue that path. Um, now, definitely taking aerospace more as a hobby, uh, which is kind of a fun thing to say. Um, uh, but I do just like the process of like looking at math and it's good of a, it's it's a good break from, you know, navigating the problems within the company um, and, you know, building that side of things. Yeah, that's really interesting because who would have thought that, you know, aerospace engineering and something like an e-commerce entrepreneurial journey would actually work hand in hand. And I think you're a great representation for that. And as you mentioned, I think it would kind of help with problem solving skills on both parts, which is probably a great balance that you've actually had. 
When you first thought of starting your own business, what was kind of your thought process in actually deciding what you wanted to do? And was it always something to do with fashion and sustainability or did you kind of have a few different ideas? Yeah. So how I decided to start this company when I was in high school, um, I would sell a bunch of used clothes online to earn some extra income because I didn't want to dedicate a lot of time um, because I was very academic person. So I wanted to, you know, get some side income by selling stuff online and then noticing the inefficiencies in that system made me realize how um, environmentally detrimental uh, fast fashion was to the planet and knowing that, like, you know, if I had listed something online for sale, most likely it wouldn't sell. So that was an issue that frustrated me and that we were just dedicating so many resources into uh, consuming clothes, you know, with a linear economy of buy wear then dispose and having good circular fashion systems um so when i was in high school i more so wanted to solve that problem than um to run my own business i find myself being more of a scientist engineer kind of person and you know i just like the process of building technology um so i believe that there could be technological systems built that can enable us to elevate our consumption patterns uh, so that you know we can prolong our existence on this planet. So for me, it wasn't really necessarily about building a business for uh, you know, for me personally, but it was more about let's create some positive impact within the world. You know, there's a system that's broken, let's fix it. Mm, what a great outlook to have too, thinking of solving a problem before trying to make money and starting a business. I think that's really refreshing. And I think a lot of people listening would actually find such inspiration in what you just said. And another thing I want to quickly touch upon is you mentioned you were 17 when you first kind of started your business. What were some of the challenges you faced kind of starting your entrepreneurial journey so young? Uh, Definitely resource constrained. So I'm the child of two immigrants and I lived with my mom at the time. So, you know, I didn't have like, I, I, I didn't have like a good form of stable income at the time and uh, still just trying to figure out life in general. So that was that was a, definitely a challenge. Um, but I think what was good was learning early on how to be an entrepreneur and how to sell and how to build products, launch them and fail um, fast. Um, and having that under my belt, then I can you know build more successful things down the road. Definitely a great stepping stone to other areas in life as well, which you've touched upon already. And I would love to know how you actually got your vision to come to life. What were some of the first steps into build Karma Trade? Yeah, so the idea dawned on me when, uh, you know, we were, me and my friend was looking into building like an international business plan. And we were really passionate about the issues surrounding selling clothes online. So then I realized, I, was, I thought to myself, what if we could all collectively pool resources into like a central location and then redistribute it based off of, you know, people's needs? Because um, one person's trash is another person's treasure. So going with that motto and design, we were flexible in the exact interaction with people. So I iterated through a bunch of different products um, and a bunch of different experiences. As this isn't like a, you know, one-time CBG product, you know, you sell it and it's off of your hands but instead this is like a system of supply chain um, and marketplace as well as uh, technology then the answer wasn't very clear and we had to really try it out a bunch of different ways so the first the first one was called the first company name was actually called style 360 and we uh told people to like send us their clothes and we'll get a stylist to like match them everything it was like a style box thing but looking back on it i'm like okay that didn't work out the way that we wanted to and we knew that it didn't really work as well because we launched it and it didn't work as well um and then we would host a bunch of different events to 
you know, put people in a room and then um, understand how they wanted to trade their clothes and how they wanted to exchange between each other so that we could facilitate that better. So throughout university in the first two years, um, I ran a bunch of events to really just test out what it would look like. And then um, in my second year, that's when we opened our store and then start really understood, okay, people, we need this, uh, we need this digital currency as an intermediary source of transactions, you know, bringing back to why money was even invented in the first place. Um, you know, you have to look at early society needs for that. You know, if I have goats and you have wheat, we might not, I might not want to trade my goat for your wheat, you know, like, you know, you have to have an intermediary uh, coin to be able to, of uh, agreed upon value. So that's where we began experimenting and knowing that karma was the, uh, was the inspiration, was the, you know, the tool that we could use to facilitate transactions between each other. And the store really helped prove us, prove that out. And so now we've recirculated 20,000 clothing items and issued 200,000 karma uh, valued at a dollar piece. It's so, so insightful. And I think also kind of eliminating the whole fast fashion because there are so many brands that kind of recirculate just trends and trends and trends. But there's a lot of pull towards also vintage pieces of clothing and thrifting and and that sort of element. And I think it's really great that you've modernized it in such a great way. And I think also you're touching upon digital currency, which is something that's so Um, I guess, in this world, in so right now with cryptocurrency and everything like that, how did you settle to choose a digital currency over something like trading in USD to try and get more people to actually use your platform? What was kind of the trade-off there? Yeah, great question. So we looked at pre-existing solutions out there and they were really based in USD, you know, our marketplaces. Now, the issue with that is that um, the people are incentivized to trade so that they have a, you know, buy low sell high and you know you can't really necessarily allow these marketplaces to be your one-stop shop to rejuvenate your closet get rid of what you don't want um, in order to get something else because you know if you try selling something at like if you buy something for like $15 and try selling it for seven then like shipping will just be the same as the to the new person so it wasn't really well for these fast fashion items um, which is predominantly what covers like our uh, modern day markets. So we wanted to build out a full end solution for people and knowing that, um, you know, we don't want to necessarily have the marketplace structure of like buy low, sell high, but instead we want to make it about swaps. So instead we charge a service fee of um, two to $10 per item. Um, That is based off of what outposts, um, other local businesses uh, like us who want to take on our system. Um, so we learned that the karma currency was better for making swaps happen because you don't have to necessarily convince someone to buy it for like $15, but you convince them to get it for like 15 karma instead and pay $2. So then more people can have more clothes um, and spend less money. Mm, such a great system. And I think it's really, really smart. And you mentioned Outpost just then. And for anyone listening that might be a little bit confused by the concept, did you want to explain more it is how you kind of pair it with local businesses or Outposts, as you put it? Yes, uh, definitely to elaborate. Uh, so we opened our own thrift store as the first Karma Outpost where people can drop off their clothes, get Karma, and then use that Karma for other clothing items. Um, and then so, you know, a person can swap out uh, on a weekly basis, uh, their clothing, almost treating less like a grocery store. That's what's really fascinating about when we built this. Um, so then we learned that it helps the thrift store model by uh, allowing these businesses to curate 
inventory depending on their needs and as well as recirculated clothing at much faster rates because you know they're we're essentially turning the previously donators into shoppers as well in addition to your you know your typical thrift store shopper who just wants to buy some clothes and not necessarily like convert their entire closet into a karma trade um system so yeah um now we are expanding into other thrift stores to allow them to swap between each other um as well as the local users so we drive foot traffic to their location the one that we're opening up next is in muhammad and um she wants to start doing a bunch of kids clothing swaps because there's such a high turnover rate and yeah she's been collecting a bunch of donations from people for a long time and selling them but she wants to give something back to her donators so we found that that was a huge need for these thrift stores um, and now we can help her as well as, you know, allowing people with karma to spend their karma at her location. Um, yeah, so it's a, you know, that allows for people to drop and shop anywhere you'd like. Now, as more, more businesses adopt the system, then um, the more powerful karma becomes. And I feel like this system could be something that, you know, most shops will be able to adopt, which is really cool, similar to how, you know, Afterpay really took off and now, every store has Afterpay. It could almost be like every store would have a Karma outlet so you can kind of swap in and almost have a never-ending cycle of clothing, which is really, really cool. And with your first outpost that you actually did for Karma, how did you manage to collect enough stock to actually have your own thrift store? Was it a year or two that you were collecting pieces or you just kind of put your own things in there? How did that work? Surprisingly, we never had uh, a shortage of inventory. We we always had really good community support and people always wanted to get rid of their stuff in exchange to get something else. So we found it, you know, it was one of the um, main ways that we adopted our early users was by um, telling them, hey, we'll give you something back in exchange for giving us your clothes. And so people gave us a lot of their items, a lot of stuff that they've been holding onto for a long time, but couldn't find an outlet to give away their items to. And they were like, finally, there's a person we can trust that. We can first get value back for our items that we, you know, once cherished but no longer do, and that we know that it's going to go into someone else's hands. So that was a huge thing because um, the current base systems out there, a lot of big uh, companies and corporations don't necessarily have transparent supply chains as we do. You know, it's very, um, it's very shocking to us, and that was great for us uh, to initially grab a bunch of inventory from. Hey there, Nathan Chan here, CEO and publisher of Founder Magazine. If you're enjoying From Zero to Founder and you want to learn from some of the greatest entrepreneurs of our generation, then I highly recommend you also subscribe and check out the Founder Podcast. We talk to some of the most successful people on the planet to discover how they're building their businesses. So you can take a front row seat as we go deep and we learn from some of the founders of brands like Netflix, Dropbox, Reebok, and so many more, and how they built these companies. You can find the Founder Magazine podcast with Nathan Chan on all podcast platforms. Make sure you subscribe. All right, now let's get back into the show. I'd love to touch upon um, how you actually marketed your um, your business once it was actually fully fledged. How did you think about the marketing and what sort of social channels have you really used to push Karma Trade and, and let it kind of be known to more people? Yeah, great question. So we opened the store um, during the pandemic last year in July, I believe. And on a university campus, there's actually nobody here. It's shocking that we actually were still in operation. Um, so marketing there was a little bit sparse until when the students returned, then we found out that a lot of people just came in through word of mouth, which was the biggest channel, no matter like what social ads that we paid, um, then like whatever uh, 
other um, Google Maps SEO that we did, um, that was, it was interesting to see that word of mouth was the most powerful engine. So learning from there, that's why we built out our peer-to-peer swap system as well, that people want to share karma between each other. And all of our new marketing and branding um, is done by our amazing team. Um, we, we have a new CMO, his name is Josh, and as well as our creative director, Nolan. So a lot of props to them for rebuilding the brand to um, have our next product launch in January. That's very exciting. And so close. January is only just around the corner as well, which is uh, a very um, crazy turnaround for something that, you know, started in a pandemic and started in COVID as well. And you just mentioned how you've kind of built out your team. I would love to know, and I'm sure a lot of people listening, how you went about finding the right people that fit your vision for your company when you wanted to hire out and expand your team. Yeah, um, very much. Um, I was lucky in finding my co-founder, Brandon, who is our CTO, um, he's a full site developer and, you know, he builds a lot of the technology within our um, system and finding people who are really passionate about creating social change using, um, you know, scalable platforms and technology was the key. So, you know, um, what was really impactful, you know, you could just see how people, how our users respond inside of the store. And so I think that was a really big inspirational point. Um, and being on this college campus, um, which is like, I think the fifth engineering school in the US, um, has been a great way to find talent and work with really um, smart people, build something cool. Definitely. And I think that's definitely showing through your website as well. I had a little look beforehand. It's very clean. It's very polished. Your logo is so smart and so brilliant as well. Uh, Was it a combined effort to kind of make your website and how you wanted it to look or were you kind of happy to give creative freedom to other people to make it come to life? I have to give credit to um, our CMO and our creative director for creating the new uh, landing page that we do have um, and our CTO for building it out. Um, So I think we started with a vision, hey, let's showcase that this is more than just a fashion e-commerce company, but hey, this is something that is going to change the world. Uh, So then going along the lines of that, we settled on a vision and we built it out. And what challenges have you faced since opening your business and getting more word of mouth and and more people kind of interested in Karma Trade? So with 20,000 unique items, that is you know, there is no repeated SKU. So we really had to figure out how to bring order to chaos. That was essentially the piece of the puzzle that Karma Trade solved in this whole, you know, unsustainable fashion game. So making it sustainable by circular and circulating it um, from people who don't want these clothes to people who do. So building out that system was um, incredibly challenging. So I'm currently sitting in my store where the clothes are located and, you know, we're still, um, yeah, so figuring out that system early on was a huge challenge. Um, so we've been bootstrap. We've also been bootstrapping since the beginning. Um, so that hasn't been easy because you have to come up with a bunch of different revenue streams that may be different from your main product, but so that you know your other revenue streams can feed into this main product development that you know it's going to allow you to scale up the way that you want to. Definitely some great learnings there. And um, you mentioned how, you know, you're always learning and the challenges you faced. And and one thing that we're here to talk about today is you actually doing our copywriting course, Seven Figure Copywriting. I would love to know more about what made you want to develop your copywriting skills to begin with. Uh, for me, I'm always, I've always had a technology background, so it wasn't the easiest to come up to fill my marketing role in the early days. So I found, uh, I you know, I'm, I'm a fast learner, so I found that 
know, going into resources like the copywriting course from Founder um, would really help me accelerate um, the growth and filling in the gaps that I needed at the time. So that really did help us in bringing the word out to people um, earlier this year and um, allowing us to communicate better to the people and telling them that, hey, this is actually going to help you um, instead of um, just letting it kind of fall off. And, you know, it was great for marketing. Definitely. And what channels do you feel like since doing and improving your copywriting, have you used your skills in? Is it email marketing? Is it just social media marketing? What sort of channels are you really kind of changing your copywriting um, outlook on, I should say? Yeah. So with such a new system, we had to, the biggest challenge for us was to uh, explain it to people who never used it before. Um, so that exists within, you know, our store copy as well as um, our website and, um, and as well as, you know, email marketing, um, allowing people to know um, when to come in and, you know, what they could expect and how to walk them through the process of doing it. Uh, turning over their previous conceptions of, what fashion consumption should be and that we could paint them a picture of something much more and never seen before. So that really helped us. Mm. And I guess it would be hard trying to to convey your messaging for a, um, a brand like yours because you don't want to say to people what they're doing is wrong selling clothes, but trying to, to encourage them to try a different um, way of recycling and upcycling their clothes as well. So I can definitely see where copywriting skills will come into play with those sort of different um, languages and, and things like that. But do you have any results you can touch upon that you can explain to us how copywriting has helped kind of scale your business at all? Yeah, we were able to really convey some store promotions really well that brought um, a bunch of people in and that was what helped us um, reach break even and profitable um, revenue every month. So that was really amazing. Because me personally, I, I, you know, I think in the landscape of engineering and, you know, learning how to communicate uh, marketing messaging and like one-liners and everything, that was a great learning curve um, that was, that was, um, that founder helped us out with. Incredible. And you touched upon sales and conveying those messages. How has using scale, sales, sorry, helped your business kind of scale? We'll put it that way. I guess people knew exciting things to look forward to um, that we can offer on a consistent basis. Definitely. And um, I definitely know that, you know, having those little incentives here and there can definitely help people shop in the, I guess, normal side of the retail experience. But then having something like getting karma money back, basically, in your pocket to reuse would also be a great incentive as well for those sales and things like that. And um, I'd love to know more about how you've been going since opening different outposts and how you plan to scale with more outposts and different stores. How do you actually set them up? Is it you personally going to these new businesses and, and selling your product? Yeah. So with our new launch, we'll be incorporating a bunch of new outposts to join us. Uh, so we've been currently gaining interest a lot in this product by um, showcasing the success of our company. And so right now um, we are focusing on people in the immediate area so that we can build um, a strong community of people with karma in their wallets uh, to swap with these local outposts. So it's about making uh, connections with local business people, um, appreciating what they do currently and figuring out how to integrate into their system without causing too much uh, turn, like, you know, change of operations. 
Mm, definitely. And do you have a goal with that, how many people you want to work with in the next three to six or even 12 months? Do you have a goal in terms of um, networking or, or places you would like to see Karma pop up? Yeah. So we're looking to um, bring up 50,000 more users into the local area. Um, so that means um, really expanding out the Champaign-Urbana um, scene in central Illinois, as well as um, go into the Chicago suburbs in the next nine months. Um Yep. So we're early in our product development. So we want to make sure that we're building the right product to scale before we are um, overturned with too many, uh, you know, network effect problems uh, in a simple way to put it. Now, in terms of number of outposts, uh, we're looking to incorporate 20 more outposts in the next nine months. Wow. What a great goal. And I definitely think that's tangible with how amazing your product actually sounds and how it can adapt so easily to different businesses. I think that's really great too. And would you have any like advice or, or maybe some, uh, yeah, I guess advice that you would give to people if they're looking to start a business that isn't so traditional, it might be with digital currencies or anything like that. What would you kind of say to them to help them kind of motivate and, and really pursue that idea? Yeah. You never know what would work. Uh, we never knew that we would be here with a system that works for people and building new systems for change. You have to really take the leap of faith. And if no one's done it before, that that means that you have a high chance of being able to capture the market and build something that is very unique and live a life of excitement. So I think if you have an idea, test it early, fail fast, um, then capture your learnings and then iterate. Mm-hmm, definitely. And I think that's key. It's so about trial and error and testing something new, like what you did. You tried that style 360 that didn't work as what you kind of hoped. And, and now you've landed in a really great spot. And through your learnings of creating Karma Trade and, and everything that you've had, are you finding that your business is profitable and, and you're continuing to scale at a rate that you kind of hope to have that projection? Yeah, for a technology company, um, you know, a startup based around software, um, surprisingly, we've been able to bootstrap for a long time using, um, you know, revenue from the store and from our inventory. So that has been a really exciting thing. And we've been, we're planning on to do that as long as we can um, for the next phase of product development in the next five months. Um, so that has been very shocking um, because, you know, I've we always hear the stories um, that it's like, it's a lot harder. You have to raise your seed round or series A early on, but we've been able to bootstrap. Incredible. And you touched upon before that you've now broken even on that revenue, which is absolutely incredible. And prior to this interview, you actually shared with me something that's really incredible, if you don't mind me elaborating on this, that you've actually managed to double your revenue just by kind of tweaking different messaging and things like that from 2020 to 2021. Do you hope next year to then triple that? Like, what's that goal? Yeah. um, As we develop into this new landscape um, of revenue, I actually can't say what we would um, expect to earn, Um, you know, because from one year to the next, we were only your local thrift store being your local swap shop. And now we're expanding to other businesses and more people. Um, So possibly much more than three times it. And with all the marketing messaging and branding um, support, um, new parts of the team that we built out, I'm really excited to see what happens next. I am too. I can't wait to kind of see where you guys go in the next six months to 12 months. I feel like you have such a bright future ahead of you. And my last question that I want to really ask you, and you kind of touched on it before. So if you have any different advice for someone listening that might be 17 years of age when you first had your idea, what would be some encouragement that you would like to bestow onto them 
to uh, kind of follow their passion and, and follow their ideas. Mm, you can achieve more than when you believe you can. And I, when I was 17, um, I didn't think this would be possible. I didn't think that people would actually be able to change uh, fashion consumption in um, a small city. And now that we are, uh, so no idea is too small. And any, and I also remember that anything you know that currently exists in the world was once only an idea in someone's head. Mm-hmm. Definitely, that's such great advice, and I think you're definitely on track to to changing the fast fashion and and different consumption in your local city, but hopefully throughout the rest of the world. And I can't wait to hopefully catch up with you, Mona, again in the next six to twelve months and hear all of what the amazing things your business has done. So thank you so much for taking the time and and sitting down with me today and sharing your story a little bit more. Yeah, thank you for having me. Hey guys, we hope you're loving From Zero to Founder and you're getting a ton of value from it. If you want to access the exact free training that led today's founder to where they are now, head to founder.com or head to the link in the show notes.